Hey there, welcome to Radio Face. As always, my name is Daniel Trinham, and I will be your host. It is truly an honor that you have decided to tune in for today's episode, and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed creating it. Before we begin today's episode, I want to let you know that this show is in no way affiliated with the other show that I host, The Third Seat. However, if you'd like to check out The Third Seat, then you can find the information and links for it in the description of today's episode. I think you will really enjoy it as well, so I highly recommend you check it out. Along with this, you can find all other links to my social media accounts, as well as any necessary information for any guests that may join me on the show or myself down in the description of today's episode. With all that being said, I want to thank you again for listening in to today's episode. Now let's jump into the conversation. Well, this is an interview that uh, whenever I decided to start this whole operation, uh, whenever I decided to go forward with this podcast and see what I can make of it, this was an interview that I definitely had been wanting to do and one that I've been looking forward to, uh, and I don't want to stall any longer. So, Dr. H, thank you. Thank you very much for being here. All right. Well, thank you, Big Dan. <laughs> so I call him Big Dan. I- Probably nobody else does, but no, well, it's funny. Uh, so one of one of the small fund students that just I think he just recently graduated. Uh, Reed Reed Adams. He, you remember you remember Reed? Yes. Yeah. So he recently graduated. Reed, if you're listening to this, shout out. How you doing? Um, but he works here now. And when he first either interviewed or when he first started, he had asked somebody here like, "Oh, I heard that." I heard that Big Dan works here, and they were all like, <laughs> "Who are you t- referring to?" And they he pointed me out, and yeah. and then they came over to me, and they were like, "Hey, did you know that he called you that?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's because you know." I gave them the whole story, and they thought it was funny, but uh, yeah. but yeah, that that name has followed me ever since high school, and I'm sure it will continue to follow me uh, even now past college. So uh, we'll, we'll take it. There's a lot worse nicknames. <laughs> there are there are much worse nicknames out there. So. Um, but yeah, if you don't mind, I mean, just obviously I know you, but for those that don't, just give a brief introduction of yourself, who you are, what you do, and what you got going on, if you don't mind. Sure. So I'm a associate professor of finance at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, um, mainly teach investment type classes. And one of the things I think I'm probably the most well known for is my work with student managed funds on campus, specifically the student managed investment learning experience fund. It's an also acronym for SMILE Fund. And uh, the SMILE Fund is around a million dollars. It's not been the best year. A little bit of a, little bit of a flex. Yeah, bit, yeah. yeah. You recently so, hit that milestone, didn't you? Well, it was a, we'll call it a high water mark. It's, yeah. it's, come, it's come down yeah. a little bit, but yeah. we're still beating the market for this year, which is pretty nice. But, awesome. uh, you know, probably now I have a Rolodex, mental Rolodex, because nobody even knows what a Rolodex is anymore, but a <laughs> mental Rolodex of about 300 students that have come through the small fund that are out and about in the Chattanooga area, Tennessee, and actually throughout the, the country in some really pretty impressive uh, career paths right now. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And for reference, so I, for those that don't know for any reason, I graduated from UTC uh, in December of 2021 with a degree in finance. And Dr. H, I, I don't know when I met you. I think it was probably going into my junior year, maybe, maybe like late sophomore year when I, when I either heard about you or met you. Um, but you, I know we worked in the small fund and then we worked pretty extensively with the CFA competition and that was really where, where the rubber met, rubber, uh, met the road, I guess, as the saying goes, uh, between the two of us. And you were always, 
always very good to me, uh, and you were always my favorite professor out of, out of all of them I had. I'm not just saying that because you were here, but you were always very good to me, always very helpful, uh, and I, I know that a lot of other students feel the same way. So uh, thank you just for everything, just from, from me and all the other students. Thank you for all that you did and all that you continue to do. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that very much. The uh, thing I, I gravitate, I think, towards uh, students that are sincere, and uh, work hard and that have a good attitude and I mean those, those all describe you pretty well in my opinion and uh, of course you're highly intelligent that's why you were on our let me flex a little bit here our <laughs> award-winning CFA yeah. team yeah so you kept the streak alive that team's now won like six years in a row beating out some pretty prestigious universities from around the world mm -hmm. so uh, so kudos for being on that team and for all the work that you did and I think y'all share y'all what was that small was that small direct? Yeah, it was. It was. It was very confusing because we were in. When I had to explain to people, I was. I told them I was in the small fund, but we were working on Small Direct Club, and people would always be like, "Now, what are you doing again with yeah. the smalls <laughs> and stuff?" And um, but yeah, the the CFA competition was basically, and we were all assigned. All these different groups from different universities were assigned these public companies, publicly traded companies, and we basically just did a massive research project on them for what four or five months is that is that too yeah that, that was correct? i mean y'all got probably close to a thousand hours in yeah. i would assume and uh which is you know pro bono like outside of a class is phenomenal i mean yeah. pretty amazing i mean that it, it's the nerd olympics that's yeah. really what it boils down yeah. to right so that was that's pretty awesome and uh i talked to a bunch of the uh folks in town and some of my friends that manage money throughout the country what they thought about small direct and they were all extremely bullish on it and mm -hmm. so when i told them how bearish you were they found that very interesting yeah. and so i kind of explained some of the reasoning and they didn't i don't i don't think they were ready to believe that the students could be right over them mm -hmm. and over the analyst out there but then uh you know when it all was said and done and and of course small uh directs price stock price started going down yeah they they called me back and we had some fun conversations yeah. i think that really impressed some people that it wasn't you know it's, it's it could be a coin toss so you, sometimes you could be right for the wrong reasons or wrong for the right reasons but that time y'all were right for the right reasons yeah. which was really cool and uh, it's stuff like that that, that i think is just really interesting to me to you know spotlight what what students can do yeah. and utc's got some phenomenal talent yeah so. no that was it, it was really cool seeing that because not that I would wish ill on any company, but you know our whole thought process was we we kind of felt like uh, it had like a you know it was it was a, a mile wide but an inch deep like it had a lot of a lot of good things seemingly on the outside but really if you dug into it there was a lot of things not working in their favor and I mean for all intents and purposes at the at the recording you know of this this episode we were pretty much right yeah. I mean, for everything that happened they pretty much went on a straight straight you know downhill slope from uh, where we were when we initially were um, researching them and so it did it did feel good to pretty much call the shots and be like yeah this is this is 90% gonna happen and it ended up happening you know right and it, I mean it's and that was during the height of COVID so you didn't talk about a massive bull market to call a bear then was yeah. was pretty bold yeah um, and of course you know the the opposite's true now, right? Yeah, so, yeah. To, so to find a bull right now in, in this market would be uh, would, would be awesome as well. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyways, you mentioned so that was all going on during the the height of uh, what we hoped would be the end of COVID, but ended up being the height of it, and that was certainly an interesting time. Now that we're almost 
almost, I guess we're technically two years removed from the from the real beginning of everything. How are you? Just how are you feeling? Uh, just about had the past few years as a as an educator, but just everything that's happened and, and what do you think? Hopefully, the future of education looks like at least at UTC now that we've had a few COVID years uh, out of our system. From your perspective, at least. Well, from an educator, the last few years have been phenomenal for learning. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know, especially in the investments, if you think about it, say like 10 years before that was that long passive bull market and, you know, market kept going up. And so the students were like, how hard could this be? Right. Yeah, and then yeah. what we have seen in the last couple of years, and it's not just COVID, but the fact that COVID so many people got COVID wrong, including me, I thought it was just going to be, be like maybe bad case of the flu at, mm-hmm. at first. Right. And then, of course, as you know, more information com- comes out, you obviously need to change your mind. And it quickly became the biggest game changer in our lifetimes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, you, can, you can throw 9-11 or the 2008 uh, crisis. Maybe there's some other things like the, you know, the Berlin Wall coming down. The, 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 these things had major impacts, but nothing voluntarily shut down the economy. Yeah. Um, nothing... I mean, we, we have a, a million Americans that have now died from COVID yeah. and we have tons of other folks that are dealing with different things that have happened because of it, right? And it'll take years for us to figure all that out. But then you throw in all the money we threw at the market, all the craziness with cryptos, uh, all everything that's happening with inflation. This is the big, most inflation that we've ever seen in our lifetime. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and my lifetime is a lot longer than yours, but yeah. still, you know, yeah. I mean, in, in, in the past 40 years or whatnot. Yeah. And then you throw in the, the Ukraine-Russia crisis, which is probably the biggest political, I mean, like geopolitical, yeah. you know, type event in our lifetime. Especially in the past decade, at, right. at the very least. Right. I mean, you, we don't, what has the potential to become, you know, Armageddon, you know, apocalypse yeah. now kind yeah. of situation. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, we'll find an easy way to, um, of the options left, we'll find the easiest way, the one that causes the, uh, the least amount of damage and saves the most lives. Yeah. But man, you know, to talk about trying to figure out the markets right now, it's, you know, you don't want to ever make money off somebody else's tragedy, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you do have to analyze what's going on in certain sectors and which sectors are going to benefit from the market right now and which ones are not. Energy, defense companies, those those types of sectors are, are still, I think, doing well. Tech has obviously had to pull back quite a yeah. bit from from its massive run-up, right? Yeah. Uh, you can see what's going on with, like, say, Tesla right now and everything. So, yeah. um, But it's very exciting. I mean, and then, you, you know, you can even throw in everything that's happening with the space race and going to Mars. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, just phenomenal stuff and so i would say as an educator that part is fascinating to me the part that stinks is the no contact with students right yeah. so getting back to uh like i think i got to know you before covid yeah there there is a year of students that i will never know as well mm-hmm. there's just yeah. And for some professors, there's a whole cohort of, of two to three years of students they'll, they'll never even meet. Yeah. And I get to meet my students. Pro- I, I think I, I think it's a safe flex to say I probably know my students better than almost any other professor. Yeah. And if I have a trouble getting to know them, you know that some of the some of those professors have never even met their students. Yeah. And networking and getting to know professors, that's a cool experience at college that a lot of students 
are, are going to completely miss out. I, I, I really feel sorry for students that were in their like senior year when COVID started yeah. and then missed kind of the, the, the networking social aspect of their first two years yeah. of college. Yeah, no, I forget his name, but one of the guys that I graduated with, I, I want to say he had a finance degree. I had, to, I had numerous classes with him, but um, towards the end of the year, uh, you know, one of our professors, he was, he was, he asked us basically, he was like, hey, if you guys want to give just some feedback on, uh, you know, the, the finance, you know, department and your experience, like, you know, give some feedback, you're, you're welcome to. And so we met up with him and talked to him and he told us, he said, yeah, my experience has been good. He said it was a little cut, like it was kind of, kind of the rug pulled out from underneath it, not because of anything UTC or any, anybody did. It was just because he did his first two years at a community college and then transferred to UTC in his junior year. And that was the year when everything shut down. And then from there, it was just never the same, you know? So by the time he was graduating, things were just starting to open back up from an academic standpoint. And it kind of hit me, I was like, man, I, I can't imagine what that would be like because, you know, he, he obviously probably still had a lot of good good memories and he obviously got an education and everything. But part of college is is those people you meet. It's the professors, it's the it's the individuals that you have class with. It's, it's the memories you make along the way. At least that's what it's supposed to be, at least for me. And to, to hear that there, that story has probably, you know, has been repeated for numerous individuals along the way. I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's a very sad thing because there's nothing they could control. It's just, it's totally out of their control and then kind of forced them to be in a position like that, you know? Well, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that one aspect of education we got to be careful with is this new uh, version of online education. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's without a doubt is it it's easier, more flexible, more time convenient. And, you know, if you can watch lectures on your own in your pajamas at, at home, uh, you know, and, and get in a workout or whatever and stuff, it, you feel like you got more time. Yeah, right. Yeah. But the college experience is supposed to be so much more. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things about the small fund and, and the CFA program and yeah you know, the CFA challenge and, and all the different things that we do in the finance and economics department at the Rollins College of Business is mainly to give those students that opportunity to build deep relationships. Because at the end of the day, I mean, when you can talk about all the money you want to make, mm -hmm. but those relationships are going to mean a lot more to you. Yeah. And you build so many of the most important relationships of your career and your life in college. Yeah. And you you even work on that skill a little bit, right? You kind of figure out who you are. Like, yeah. there's no doubt I figure out a little bit of who I was. There's no doubt Big Dan figure out a little bit of who Big Dan was <laughs> while he was in college as well. So, but, but so yes, a big chunk of folks missed out on that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna see some interesting data from a research standpoint. This is really nerdy, so you know, if, if people don't want to go this nerdy, just skip ahead. But uh, there is a lot of academic literature where we you know use huge data sets over time and that's really you know you look at so many things over time we're now going to have to do robustness checks for so much data of before covid after covid i'm not saying it's like jesus christ but if you think about like bcad kind of yeah. thing you're going to see before covid after covid yeah. type analysis going on for years in every discipline and just about all kinds of analysis because yeah. This is going to really impact us. And one of the things that I find fascinating, this is my kind of nerd flex of the area I like to, to look in, is 
sustainable investing. Uh-huh. And so, uh, if you all want to go out and get a really cool book, uh, <laughs> is that out? Is it, that, it, it is. It's, it is. It's, it's actually finally out. Nice. It's, uh, uh, so, sustainable investing: what everyone needs to know by Oxford, and uh, it's doing really well. I'm shocked because nice. uh, you know this is my first book, but the yeah. other. The other two guys I wrote it with, uh, Kent Baker and, and John Nofsinger, yeah. are like, you know, just phenomenal, well known legends in the industry. They've written so many books. And so uh, we were talking that maybe our book is, because it's doing so well, might end up getting an award, mm-hmm. might get, get its own, like, you know, um, you know, different versions and stuff mm-hmm. like that that come out and, and get adopted by some schools. Because I hope a lot of schools are looking more into sustainable business practices. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, corporate social responsibility, socially responsible investing, all of this. And I think COVID has really pressed the gun to, you know, really jumped everybody into this idea of sustainability because so many people have throughout COVID realized that we got a lot of issues dealing, mm-hmm. that we're dealing with and we need to change the world. And I think that sustainability, making things more sustainable is one way of doing it. I mean, even in right now with what happened with COVID, you can see with the lockdowns in China, mm-hmm. how we don't, we don't have enough redundancies, right? So too many companies were relying on China to produce so many things that if, uh, if, if you know, workers in China can't get out and build stuff, then we have too many problems in our supply chains. And, and so there's so many different things that COVID has hopefully taught us. Mm-hmm that we will come out of this stronger as, as, as a humanity. Uh, and of course, you know, I'm looking at it more from the business side, but there's so many healthcare implications and just, you know, human decency type implications as well. Yeah. No. So, uh, first off, I'm glad to hear that the book is out. I heard, I remember you told me a while back that you were working on it. And so I wanted to know whenever it was out. So now that it's out, I'm definitely going to definitely gonna make sure to pick up a copy of that. And, and is it fit like physical for you? Can buy, like, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You can buy it. It's, um, it's, it's basically for folks that want to know more about sustainable investing. Mm-hmm. You can be anything from a student to somebody that's probably just getting into investing, knows a little bit about the stock mm-hmm. market to, all the way up to an institutional investor, somebody that you know maybe manages uh, pension funds or something mm-hmm. like that, but just really wants a, a good background. It's yeah. not written. There's there's six sections. Only one is super nerdy, mm-hmm. and that one is more about like how different funds, sustainable funds, have performed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I know it's nerdy because I wrote that one myself. <laughs> but uh, so it's got. And what I mean by nerdy is it's got like a lot of uh, citations to yeah. different papers yeah. and stuff. The other five don't, and what and what's really cool is it's it's written in a form of a bunch of questions, so you can just scan the table of contents for questions you want yeah. to find the answers to, and then you just go to it and get it. So yeah. it's, it's kind of it, it's 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 pretty useful in that manner. Yeah, well, well, that's that's great to hear. I'm definitely going to go get me a copy of that now. And if anybody listening to this is curious, I will put the link to this in the description. So if you want to check it out uh, and go support Dr. H, then go in there and pick yourself up a copy of it. Um, but yeah, no, you mentioned uh, just how things will be analyzed in the future or how you think things will be analyzed in the future, like pre-COVID, after COVID. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're still even today as of, as of this recording, like still dealing with a lot of ramifications of it, both from a, you know, a health standpoint to a societal standpoint and all different implications of it. But, you know, the, the thing that I can most clearly point to that I've seen in, in not necessarily in my personal life, but the things that I've seen happen the fastest 
is how uh, employees have taken to their jobs and just how the whole thing about, you know, uh, like the great reshuffling or the great whatever you want to call it of, of people saying, you know, forget this. Like, I don't want to work here. I want to work somewhere that, you know, that I enjoy. Because I think a lot of people, they realize that, one, there are a lot of uncertainties in this life. If there's anything that we have discovered after COVID, it's, it's that. It's that nothing really is promised and that things can change very quickly, as we've seen. But also, two, I, I think people are, you know, reawakening to, you know, maybe if I'm going to... if maybe now is the chance, maybe now is the time to go for that job that I want to, or maybe now is the time to quit that job that I'm currently at that I don't want to be at. And I think that we're going to continue to see more of that. I, I saw a study somewhere talking about how some, somewhere, I'll probably butcher the numbers, but they, they uh, talked to, you know, uh, people that were in, that were millennials, people that were Gen Z, X, Y, all the, you know, I forget all the generations, but pretty much millennials and younger, all those generations, they uh, polled them and somewhere from 60 to 70% of them were basically saying that flexibility in their job and like hybrid work hours and things of that nature were incredibly important to them if they were going to go to a new job. And somewhere of north of 50% would even say they would take a, a pay, like a pay cut of some degree if they were to get a better, like flex, more flexible job. And I think that that's like one of the first indications we're going to see that people are like we're going to start measuring things like you said we're going to start measuring things as you know this was how everything was before you know february march april may of 2020 and here's how everything is going to be measured after that you know it it, it definitely covid was for me personally as a 22 year old like i was i was technically alive for 9 11 but i don't remember anything of it i don't really remember anything of the 2008 crash because i was eight years old and i didn't care i didn't know what was going on this is one of the things for me that like when people say you're like, you know, you remember what you were doing when this all happened, like you remember where you were, what was happening. Like that's for me personally, this is one of those moments in my life. Like I will never forget where I was, what I was doing when everything happened and the you know preceding months. And I think when, when events like that happen, there's bound to be good and bad that come after that, you know? Well, you know, people talk about these days or moments that they know exactly where they were, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the older generations talk about JFK or the moon landing or uh, any any of the space race stuff. Uh, that that some some of that will give people goosebumps and they'll remember exactly where they yeah. were. Um, or you know the Berlin Wall. I for me it was nine eleven, but th this is totally different. You know I would I rem I was probably at, at close to your age when it, when nine eleven mm -hmm. happened. So yeah. yeah, it had a profound impact. That those are those are events in a day yeah, yeah. covid is a two-year hopefully we're kind of done with kind of yeah. two-year event so it's to it's totally different i mean and you talk about i actually like your word better the reshuffling because you've heard of this great resignation yeah, right yeah. but but i think a great reshuffling is probably a better way to say it because so many people because of covid have more opportunities than we've ever had before mm -hmm. i mean um, you don't have to leave your hometowns now if you want to go work for Google or if you want to work for any of the major companies. And I think that it's allowed people to have more choice. When And that book that I was talking about with sustainability, one of the things that millennials and Gen Zs and everybody are talking about is they all want to work for companies that they can believe in. They don't want to, any, they don't want to work for a company more that, that just pays the bills. If, you know, I don't want to, trash a, a gas company or whatever but if, if there's an exxon out there or there's a 
a big oil company and that they really believe they're the bad guys, they don't want to work for them, right? They don't want to work for them for the paycheck. Um, and so this idea of how are you supporting the environment? How are you uh, supporting diversity? How are you supporting social issues? How are you uh, supporting uh, governance, right? You know, what, what's your male, female, gender balance, that kind of stuff. It all matters now. Mm-hmm. And because so many people can work, like you said, via Zoom uh, for a, a company in Singapore mm-hmm. or a company in San Francisco and be based right here out of Chattanooga, yeah. I mean, yeah, they've got a lot more options. So that reshuffling is happening and it's probably creating a better fit for talent mm-hmm. because there was probably talented people all over the world that just didn't want to live in San Francisco. Yeah. Or couldn't afford that lifestyle, but now they can. Yeah, you know, and so this is—I mean, it's—it's it's amazing. I do think at one point we may have to be scared about what robots will do, <laughs> and but I—I I really did not see this type of job market ever happening during the twenties. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, the twenties were going to get progressively harder for folks to get jobs because mm-hmm. we were going to automate so many things. Um, but the boomers retired in such mass. Because of COVID, they're a big chunk of them are not going to come back to work. Yeah. Um, and so there's this need, real need for uh, for companies, for talented folks. And I think it's phenomenal. So, yeah, I encourage all of my students to be reshuffling right yeah. now. So if you're out there and, you, and you're thinking about you should reshuffle, do it right now. Yeah. Because... We don't know what it could look like in a year or two. Now, try to think about job stability. I wouldn't necessarily go to a company, if you've got a ton of job stability right now, and go to a company that doesn't have the same kind of job stability for a little bit more pay, Mm -hmm. because there could be a recession Mm -hmm. in the next two years or so, and and you want a company that could ride that out. So, um, Or you want to have some assurances with the company you're with that that they're going to protect you. but yeah i mean so we haven't seen that yet we might see that might be something else that happens for the next generation Mm -hmm. or in the next 10 years that changes the game but you know i mean we still we have so many variables that we it's when you get too many variables it's hard to figure out a mental regression for how the markets and how the economy is going to work and that's kind of like where we are and that's kind of that's kind of cool because i have no idea what the what kind of coefficient to put on what the Fed's doing or what inflation's mm-hmm. doing or what Ukraine and Russia are doing. I, I know they're important, but I can't, f- you know, it's hard for me to figure out, you know, uh, is is what we're doing with solar power right now, is that going to be the big game changer or yeah. is it more about what we're doing with batteries or is it more about what we're going to be doing with water and desalination? Is it carbon capture? I mean, there's so many cool things happening. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And I think the fact that I think it would be an understatement to say that you know the world is has a lot of different uh, intertwining pieces and intertwining parts. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces. You know, you wake up every day and there's something new happening, and trying to make sense of all of that is it can be difficult at times. And I think the fact that you know you think of uh, you know like uh, we'll we'll go back to like World War II times, like in uh, in, in the 30s. I believe that's correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, is it, or no, it was it was in the 40s. It started in the late 30s, yeah. and then it ended around 44. Yeah. Okay. So I know I know it was close. So, um, <laughs> but you know, the a lot of in, at that time, obviously, information didn't travel as as quickly as it does now, and so not everybody was exposed to the same 
not everybody was aware of the same of the same amount of issues and topics and problems that we are today. And I think the fact that people now, I mean, I don't remember a time in my life when there wasn't computers. And people even younger than me, they're not going to remember a time when there wasn't phones. And it's going to only that's going to keep going in the future. And so people are only going to be more exposed to the complexities of the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. And when that's the case, I think you get the end result can be what you were talking about, how now, you know, people aren't just going to work for a company just to get a paycheck. That's obviously part of it. Like you have to pay your bills and get food and keep a roof above your head. But now that you're, you know, people are generally more aware of a lot of the happenings and events and complexities of the world, they want to know like, hey, is this company that I'm putting hours and time and effort into, are they like, are they doing what, what I think is the right thing? Are they, you know, contributing positively in the world? Because I'm aware now of how these companies and how individuals, uh, imp are, how they can uh, have a positive or negative impact on the world. And I don't want to be a part of that if, if they are having a negative impact, you know? And I think that's, I think for a lot of people that can be a good thing because if you're more aware of just the happenings and events in the in the world, I don't, also I don't know if happenings is a is a real word or not, but I've been using it, so I'm just going to roll with it. But uh, I don't know if you know people when they're more aware of these events in the world and everything that's going on, it kind of forces them to to look in the mirror to a degree and say, is what is the work that I'm doing? Is it contributing to this positively or negatively? And I think the end result of that is is this you know reshuffling that we've been we've been talking about you know yeah the one of the game changers in investments came around 2005 with uh, ESG criteria mm -hmm. environmental social governance criteria and uh, the United Nations and a bunch of institutional investors which is kind of surprising that you, because sometimes they're played out to be bad guys in movies and everything a lot of them all came together and said we need to support some sustainable development goals. Mm -hmm. And they came up with about 17 of them. And some of these are supposed to happen by 2030. If we actually can change the world through investments, I mean, make money a force for good. Yeah. Uh, how crazy would that be yeah. after, you know, you hear all this, like, you know, you know, money's the devil and yeah. the root of all evil and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but by the way, that's really not the full saying. It's supposed to be the love of money yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is the root of all evil. But um, what's interesting to me about what you're saying is with generations is every generation from now on will change far. I mean, it's, it's not linear. It's going to be an exponential change from the generation before. Mm -hmm. So every generation thinks they're so much cooler or better. And that because they are, they've got so much more, but, yeah. but the next one's going to have so much better technology and be so much more aware. We, right now we have so much information. Our problem is almost, we have too much information. So we can't even figure out what's the, the right information. Right. Yeah. And so we have a lot of like say political division and uh, just because we have so much false information out there and we have so many people that are going to their own information silos, but uh, you know, Gen X thought they were so much different than the baby boomers, right? Well, you know, like you said, the cell phone, cell phone has changed everything. Oh, yeah. Like I thought a nothing would be the computer. A cell phone is far more changing in people's habits and normal yeah. lives than, than that basic big chunky square computer yeah. that you put in your room and, you know, you, you waited for dial up and, yeah. you know, everything. I mean, the, the, the cell phone is, is, you know, it probably is the biggest game changer for our. I mean, if you think about like 
a long time ago is the railroads and then we get figured out cars and planes and so all these things that made dramatic impacts on the way people live man i can't think of anything more than the cell phone yeah i mean because the cell phone has a, a whole lot of stuff in it mm-hmm. i mean it's like it's like the ultimate nerd swiss army knife yeah. i mean it's got every app is a different you know blade or scissors or you know different you know bottle opener or whatever that you could pull out and yeah. it's phenomenal and uh i mean the gen like the generation after y'all are going to think y'all are so much <laughs> different than them then i even think like my generation is with yours yeah just because you know they're going to all be hanging out in like virtual reality or mm-hmm. they're going to be doing you know um at that point we may have robots doing all the boring physical labor jobs or whatever and so they may all be maybe a renaissance of creativity and all kinds of different projects where everybody has their own podcast and and everybody's doing all these cool interesting things like what you're doing and so uh i mean i i think i'm much more optimistic about the future Mm -hmm. if you see what's like you go and read the news it's pessimistic because that's what sells but we have so many cool things i even think there's a decent chance that we're smart enough to figure out this this uh, global climate mm-hmm. issue, whether it's you know carbon capture or you know what, whatever the solution is, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm optimistic that we can figure it out. Of course, the planet will be okay. It's just whether humans will be okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I think I'm. I mean, there's going to be winners and losers with some of the big issues like climate change and stuff like that. But but I, I'm still optimistic that we can figure out some pretty cool solutions. Yeah. Yeah. So, and for me as, as a, you know, as a 22 year old, it, it, like issues like that do mean a lot to me because they not only directly affect my future, but they direct, you know, people that will come after me, you know, my hypothetical kids and grandkids, I mean, it's going to affect them. And I think that it's what's important with those issues is to be optimistically realistic you know you don't want to be too optimistic about it because if you're too optimistic with with anything you know you can you can put on rose-colored glasses and and look over the uh, realities of whatever issue you're looking at but you want to be realistic enough to assess the issue you know and 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 that's what I think that's what I hope comes from individuals in in my generation is that we're able to you know my generation and, and younger and people within you know I don't know 10 years of my age I guess we'll say um, I hope that with these, you know, ever complex problems that we seem to find ourselves with, I hope that we can leverage uh, whatever tools we have at our, you know, in our hands like this, you know, I hope that we can use that to uh, hopefully bring about a better tomorrow. That, that's my hope. Uh, obviously, we all have something to bring to the table in, in that regard, but uh, complex problems often require complex solutions and, you know, it, it can be difficult. But yeah, you know, you were talking about phones and just how much they've changed the world that we live in you know you brought up like i think of some of the technological advances in the past you know there was the railroad like the main thing it did was it it connected people literally and metaphorically like it it allowed for a quicker transfer of information and resources and uh people you know it was a quicker transfer of virtually everything then you think of when uh electrical wiring was able to go from coast to coast and the Pony Express wasn't needed anymore, and we could transfer information like that across the coast. Um, that's really what, I mean, it's done a lot of things, but that's really what phones have done. I mean, they've allowed us to now have in, virtually instantaneous, assuming your connection is good, um, virtually instantaneous connection to anybody across the globe. And 
I would dare say, I don't even know if we'll fully understand the effects of what that has had on, you know, individuals like myself and those that are younger that have grown up with this until really d years down the road, you know. Um, the main thing that you hear a lot of people talk about is, is the negative side of things of how it's had such a uh, profound negative impact on people's, a lot of people's mental health, but that's, we're kind of just scratching the surface. We really don't know. I mean, we, again, like I am 22 years old now and I don't hardly remember a time where there weren't these. And there's people that are younger than me that are going to say that about their entire lives. And so I don't even know if we really know the impact that these phones that we keep with us everywhere we go, uh, if, if we'll truly understand the impact that they've had on us as a species until who knows how long in the future, you know? It's, there's so many different layers to that. I mean, there's some obvious things. There's the, we're probably going to have some folks with some eye damage way earlier yeah. on, yeah. uh, some probably migraine issues from looking at like little bitty screens and stuff and, uh, writing because people text out so much and stuff has gone you know, down the tubes for a lot of folks. They, it's, it's not the art that it used to be. Um, there's probably some posture issues that are going to come into play mm -hmm. and different things. But the connectedness, you're right. And I think, you know, a lot of things, even like what I was talking about being on campus is, you know, trying to get people connected. I think that that's a really big deal. I am concerned about the mental psyche of a cell phone. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not even uh, one of the people that I would say is it is the most you know, early adopters of technology. I'm not a laggard by any means, but, I, but I'm not one of the first people that goes out and gets the next iPhone yeah, or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but if, you're, if you can't go places without your cell phone, it's always on your mind. And there's a mental burden you're carrying around. Mm -hmm. If you always have to get uh, an eight-second dopamine hit, then it's going to make it very hard for you to concentrate on you know, studies of very nerdy stuff that might actually help you contribute to society. Yeah. You know, you think about Idiocracy, the movie where, you know, people just get kind of dumber over time. I hope that's not what we're heading towards. Uh, I hope we're heading towards more enlightenment, but uh, we don't know yet what cell phones are going to mm -hmm. do. And I would encourage anybody, if you've never done this before, put a cell phone down, go, go out for a hike, go get lost, yeah. go get lost in the woods. And, and if that freaks you out, know that that's what people did all the time before cell phones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was a little kid, I mean, I repeatedly on, on purpose got lost. Mm -hmm. And what sucks now is it's so hard for me to get lost. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. And uh, so I think that, um, yeah, I think you're – now, different people might say, well, I can go get lost in the metaverse or I can go get lost in – you know, uh, Breath of the Wild or whatever video game is yeah. popular at the moment, or whatever. and some of that's true. And I and I'm I'm more of the philosophy that I think that um, a little bit of everything is probably good. Mm -hmm. Too much of anything's poison, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think some of that's cool, mm -hmm. but I also think you know, you you want to meet people and you want to make real connections face to face. And there's a lot of of people I would say that they're kind of everybody thinks that they're they're either an introvert or an extrovert. Mm -hmm. I think that the vast majority of people are actually probably more in the middle, mm -hmm. but then over time they, because of the way luck happens or whatever, they tend to revert to one or the other and they find a comfort zone. Mm -hmm. What I'm afraid of is we're gonna get a lot of people very comfortable in introvert, being an introverted. Intro, in, introverted people are gonna like the zooming and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. 
but all it's going to do is pull them deeper into their own little space. It's going to make it even harder for them to want to get out and go to stuff and to socialize. And so, yeah, they're, who knows? I mean, from, yeah. from a psych- psychological standpoint, uh, all of this is coming, and uh, I can't, I, I can't, you know, imagine what augmented reality and virtual reality could do. And my students are going to like wear glasses and turn me into like a <laughs> unicorn with a wizard hat, or you know, whatever they want, and uh, augment the reality to where it looks like you know Harry Potter and Hogwarts, or whether it looks like some other fantasy land where they're more comfortable or whatever. And, and I'm all for all of it. I think it's fine. And yeah. as long as learning's happening and, and, and there's cool things to, that we, that we're going to learn. But I just, I think we, technology is happening way faster than we can psychologically figure out whether or not it's good or not. Yeah. No, you, you mentioned how when you were younger, I mean, you know, there were no cell phones. I mean, you, you just were, really you were just in the moment i mean you were in whatever moment and i think that's been a bit of a thing that's been lost to a degree not for everybody i mean but you know speaking at least for people in my generation but speaking from personal experience i've talked about this before but um thankfully uh before i anybody even knew what covid was or what was going to happen at this i made a deal with myself at the start of 2020 I decided that I was going to get off of all social media just just for an indefinite amount of time. I, you know, prior to that, I had a what I felt was a really unhealthy relationship with it. I couldn't find myself getting off of it. I was just stuck to it all day long. I would find myself just scrolling for no reason. I would get off of it and get right back onto it. Like I just, I, I could not. I was getting nothing from it. Like it was, it was a very almost parasitic relationship. If I'm being entirely honest and. I didn't know how long I was going to be off of it, but I ended up being off of it for two years up until the start of 2022. I deliberately wanted to get back on. I was like, I'm going to, you know, tell people that I'm alive uh, and that I'm, I'm still here. Um, but I really can't, I know it's different for everybody. Like, you know, everyone can make their own decisions, but I really can't express how profound of a positive impact that had on me because for me, it forced me to be more intentional with my relationships. It forced me to make each conversation matter a little bit more. It forced me to be more awake, I guess, if that makes sense. You know, I, I didn't feel like I was just sleepwalking through each day. It, it really forced me to, in a positive way, to um, be more just aware of, of the life that I had in front of me. And not only was I better equipped to uh, you know, reemerge back into the social media sphere uh, at the start of the year in a more healthy manner. But now I feel like I have a, a much better balance between the two. I didn't feel like I was too online or I was too offline. I, I now feel like I can uh, comfortably understand my boundaries. I know what's best for me. I know, uh, you know, my, my personal relationships feel much stronger. They feel much more fulfilling. And, you know, when I want to go online, I'll be online. But I know when, when the time to get off is and I know when, when to kind of cut ties with it. And I can't express enough, especially for people my age, because I know that this is not an uncommon thing. If you can take time to get off social media and your phone, do it. Just just delete whatever it is, get off of it, and just live your life for a little bit. It's good. People are still going to be there. You know, uh, Instagram and Twitter and all that will still be there. It'll be okay. You'll, you, life will go on. Uh, but... What's important definitely is is the people around you and the experiences and, re- and the relationships that you have. I think. Well, I mean, that's fantastic. I, I 
I've experienced a little bit of that when I got rid of Facebook a long time ago too. Yeah. Um, I mean, first off, we all know it's all fake. Yeah. I mean, it's we, a lot of but it's we don't. Yeah, we don't remind ourselves enough, so you occasionally get in, and some people like to snoop and do all that other kind of stuff, and just kind of figure out whatever he's doing. But it eventually seeps into you because it's mm-hmm. fake, right? And you're like, look at these people; they're always on vacation. Or look at these people; they they just bought their third house or whatever, you know. And so yeah. all that stuff is going to eventually eat at you. Nobody, um, I mean, not a lot of people are putting stuff out there that's that's real. Even when they go the other way, they almost do it for attention, right? So mm-hmm. look at me and look how bad my life is or whatever. So um, I do my my problem right now is Reddit. I mean, I got into Reddit. Luckily, got into it after I got my PhD, or I'd have been in trouble. Um, luckily, I mean, I had an intention, you know, an attention span until then. And so, I've, uh, my wife and I both will probably throw an hour at Reddit a day, you know, mm-hmm. whether during our cool down or whatever. We got four kids, so 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 we probably do need something. But yeah. um, uh, and I think Reddit's interesting because it's anonymous, and 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 I've never even form an account or, or, or say anything. So I'm just, just a, you know, a looky lurker kind of person. But, um, uh, yeah, I think that it's, it's, it's done all kinds of stuff to us. And I mean, I, I left my cell phone accidentally when I took my son to a birthday party this weekend and I didn't know a single person there. I, I wasn't excited about going. And as soon as I got there, I got, man, I forgot my cell phone and I was so upset because I was like, now I'm going to be bored for this two and a half hour party. Yeah. And, and sure enough, I mean, he was, um, you know, he's, he, they gave him water guns and so they, he's running around or whatever and I can't even catch him. I can't even see him or whatever. Yeah. So I'm just standing there and I'm like, I'm going to do this for two and a half hours. Now, before cell phones and everything, two and a half hours didn't seem like what it seems like now. Mm-hmm. But two and a half hours without a cell phone even for me, you know, I was just like, oh, gosh, this is a nightmare. And for about 30 minutes, it was. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I said, oh, to heck with this. I'm going to go talk to people. Yeah. And so I start. I went around, and, I, and it, they, it was awkward because they didn't expect it coming. But I'd go and introduce myself to every parent. And it's just gotten to a point where we didn't do that. But it felt very nostalgic to me. Like, I was starting to feel like I was back in church when I was a kid. Yeah. And I was going up and meeting people and everything. And I was like... This is so cool. And I had some really cool conversation. Nothing that was fantastic. Nothing that I'd ever yeah. put in a book or anything yeah. like that. It was just odd. And we, I think even it caught them off by by surprise. But I was like, I'm not going to stand around and not talk to people. Yeah. And I was like, this is what it used to be like. Yeah. And I, I went home and told my wife. I was like, I just had the biggest wave of nostalgia. And, <laughs> and, we, and I was like, because... You know, now if you watch sporting events, people are at sporting events, uh, Dan, and they're not even watching the events. They're watching it through their phone while they're trying to record it. And that is, I mean, people want to make fun of, uh, you know, like boomers might say, you know, there was a saying that came around, whatever, like never have, you know, basically lives been uh, more chronicled and less worthy of being chronicled, you know. And... um, and I will say I enjoyed the fact that I didn't have to keep track of any of my uh, my high school and college days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got I, – I do wish I had more pictures, but uh, it was probably a good thing there wasn't video everywhere. Yeah. But that freed you up to be more of yourself, and yeah. you weren't always worried. And, we, and, and now you've always got this kind of idea, especially when you see somebody break out a cell phone. You're like, you know it changes your behavior, right? Yeah. It puts you more into a risk management mode. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it, I think that 
there there is something lost. There's something gained. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to say any generation is better than the mm-hmm. other, uh, but but what we we need to kind of figure out is can we recapture the good things about previous generations? Because they dealt with some awful things too that we've got like you know like on issues of diversity and stuff. We've come so far. We yeah. there are issues that former generations had to deal with. And maybe they dealt with it poorly or whatnot that that we obviously can learn lessons from. But I think technology and some of this stuff, uh, I mean, putting down a cell phone's hard. Yeah. It is. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. You were talking about, uh, you know, when people are at a live event, I mean, the, the first instinct is, oh, my gosh, i got to get this on camera. And, and I get that. Like, I recently, uh, kind of by happenstance, me and, me and my girlfriend went to, uh, three different concerts over the course of four different weekends. Uh, we were at a bunch of different concerts, and the first one we went to, it was uh, it was a actually a graduation gift from my parents. We went to a Billy Joel concert, which was tons of fun. We had a great time. Uh, but I went into it, and I was like, okay, I know he's going to probably perform. like he's got so many hits, like it, which I knew that going into that concert. But holy cow, going into that, I was like, man, he has he just every single one of his songs was like a chart topping radio. It, it was kind of crazy. But anyways. <laughs> I went into it. I told myself, I was like, I'm going to give myself three recordings because like I wanted to have something like there are some songs like I would like to watch those back, you know, but I told myself, I was like, you've got three recordings. You better make them count, whatever they are. Like you, you pick the songs you want to, you want to, you know, you pick the songs you like, you pick the ones that you want to hear after the fact, but those are the only ones you get to record because it, and I I stuck, I, I made myself stick by that rule and man, it just, Again, obviously, I can't show every single song to every single person I come in contact with. But man, you know, I, I know that it's played out. But there were so many, so, I kid you not, moments in that concert where I just got goosebumps. Like just being in that stadium with all those people singing the songs together. I was like, man, this, you cannot beat this. Like this is just something else. Um, as, as of no surprise, he finished with Piano Man, his most famous song. And I remember sitting there looking at, we were up in one of the kind of elevated levels, looking out over all the people and everyone was singing all in unison. And I was like, this is amazing. I was like, there's no, it, it would not matter if I videoed this. It wouldn't capture, it, it wouldn't make a difference, you know? And, and I think that's important. Like when you go to those events, it, you know, I know not everybody is a concert person, but if you go to a, a things that are important to you and that you're looking forward to, not that you shouldn't record them because I, I you know, I've got videos of concerts I've been to that I, I do watch back to this day. I'll be like, oh man, that was so much fun. Like watching those videos and stuff. And it, it does mean a lot to me, but also being able to put it down and just enjoy the moment because man, they're fleeting. Like they don't stay, they don't last forever. Um, that's just as important in my, in, in my opinion, because I will never forget seeing Piano Man live. I mean, I know that song's played out a lot, but seeing everyone sing that song together and everybody singing it with him and all the different, you know, New York State of Mind and all those great songs that he has, just seeing everybody sing those all together, it was it was something unlike I'd ever seen before, you know? And yeah. I think forcing yourself to be present in those moments is really important, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for music. I'm not even the best at music. Uh, you know, yeah. there's so many people that know so much more than me. That's not my area of intelligence. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, you know, your memories come back to you through the songs, yeah. right? And that's different than your memories coming back through you watching through the, the cell phone. So, yeah. you know, I like I think you did. That was cool. I like the idea of, of recording three songs. Yeah. Like I said, you know, a little bit of everything is probably good. Um but uh, you know, I've my my kids now. I'm trying to deal with all that stuff too, mm-hmm. right? Like, how many 
I don't want them to not play video games, but yeah. also, you know, so we kind of let them go nuts on the weekends, yeah. and then like you know we kind of don't let them do much during the week, yeah, just to kind of force them to kind of turn it on and off, yeah, and it's working so far. But I mean, like the the video games are always going to get cooler, mm-hmm. you know, and they're always going to get more addictive, and they're always, you know, that we've got psychology folks making these video games, like mm-hmm. they know what hits, like they're probably measuring dopamine levels of people yeah. as they're playing, yeah, you know, it's so it's. Uh, it's it's crazy, and um, I mean, it's you know even social media how you interact with it. They've gotten better at like you know every like is a new dopamine hit, and, yeah. and or you get upset. And even when I talk to my friends, like I I would have never cared about this before, but now that we have these like you know little beer cans over to the side that you can like highlight or whatever, you know I'll if, if I make a good point or something like that, and nobody likes it, you know I'm like. <laughs> You know, I'm like, I'm liking your stuff. What's going on? You know, and I'm like, and then I'm sitting there like, why do you even care? Yeah. Like, why? Like, what is going on? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And um, I'm, you, you're, you want to live in fascinating times. Yeah. And we certainly have that. I, I can't imagine how many cool things and hopefully not bad things, but there are the potential for bad things that could happen as well that, um, you know, as an educator, just as a human, just as a, you know, just as a dad, just as a, a friend to so many folks and uh, like, like Big Dan, I'm, I'm excited, you know, I just, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, on a somewhat different note, uh, I want to ask you, so, as I mentioned, I just recently uh, finished in, in school at UTC. I graduated in December of 2021. And for me, whenever I was going through school, it, I remember my first few semesters, I felt really kind of fish out of water. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like I really had a grasp, not on like the material that, well, my first semester was a totally different story, but uh, not that I, I guess I felt like I didn't really, I didn't really feel comfortable yet, you know? And there, there definitely did come a point where I felt like, okay, like I can do this. Like I've, I've gotten the routine now, like I've gotten comfortable with this and, and I've gotten it figured out to a degree. And I felt pretty confident for the rest of my college career. Um, what have you seen is like a through line with with students that have come and gone? I know all of them are, are, are different, and you know everybody's experience is different. Especially after COVID, now it really threw a, a wrench in, in just uh, everything from the student experience to the professor experience. But what is like a through line that you've seen of students that have come in and? Maybe they didn't necessarily, not necessarily like, you know, 4.0 students, but students that have come in and done the work and have made it through successfully, at least your courses or the, you know, students that you've seen go through the, the College of Business. What's like a through line with those students and, and a common trait that you've seen with those students and that has allowed them to uh, excel and make their way through college successfully? Because I think for a lot of incoming freshmen, at least it was a case for me, like I said, I felt very fish out of water uncomfortable like I didn't know anybody I didn't you know I was nervous going into these big universities and stuff and I didn't really know what to make of it um, but once I really was able to kind of grasp onto how to get through college not from necessarily an educational standpoint but just from a personal standpoint uh, it really helped me and I think that you know I would imagine there's probably a through line or a common trait with a lot of students that you see uh, that come through your classes and just the college of business as a whole you know, one thing I think that's really important lesson for all of us, for me as well, sh- huge difference between ignorance and stupidity. Mm-hmm. 
huge and, and but and people know that but 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 it's it's more applicable to life than people think meaning that when a lot of students come to college one of the things that they for whatever reason they feel like they're the most scared of is to let people know they don't know something yeah and that's a bunch of BS that we need to get past. And you know, with the small phone, I always talk about I, that it should be a sandbox for failure. You know, like nobody expects somebody to jump on a bike and be able to ride a bike right away, right? Yeah. You fall off, you learn how to do it, and, and, and you keep going. And, and you, you learn a lot through failure. You learn a lot through asking questions. The students that I have seen, they're like, there's some that come in and know exactly what they want, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, they knew their dad was an engineer. They 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 want to be an engineer. Uh, they're going to go work for TVA. They're going to go work for Volkswagen, whatever. Uh, or they they know they want to go to med school, or they know they want to go run their dad's uh, business when they get out, or whatever. And and for some of those people, they don't need a lot of guidance because they're they're mentally checked into the next phase of life after college anyway, mm-hmm. right? So college is just a stepping stone. But, you know, when you go from high school, people think, oh, this is going to be the, the scariest, most exciting moment in my life is going from high school to college. And I can't imagine that being more wrong for most people because a lot of, I mean, all you hear K through 12 is, you know, if you want to go to college, you can go to college, right? Yeah. And we'll help get you there. And the vast majority of people that want to go to college get to go to college. They may not get to be able to go to the one they wanted to. Yeah. Then, you know for financial reasons they may do like community college and then call whatever they do um but a lot of students get to go to college you transitioning from your senior year of high school to freshman year of college there are there's some big changes i mean certainly your parents aren't around as much and you get to go party and you do a lot of you do every single person gets to figure out a little bit more about who they are mm-hmm. and i think that's good but it's so much scarier after you graduate because yeah. your life can go off in an infinite number of directions, especially in somewhere like finance or in business, where literally that basically means you go anywhere in the world doing a whole lot of different things. Yeah. I can't imagine navigating that blindly, mm-hmm. yet so many students try. And so what I would really encourage a student to do is just ask questions. Make it as awkward as possible if you have to. I mean, go up to professors and say, you know, I'm – I'm thinking about doing a couple of different things. Can I talk to you about that? Mm-hmm. Even if this professor said, we have somebody that helps with scheduling, that's not, every professor should still be willing to talk to you about the next step in life. Maybe not what class to take next semester, but whether or not you should, you know, open up your own practice, what that might look like, uh, open up your own business, you know, go to grad school, go get some kind of a certification, what kind of opportunities are in the Chattanooga area, the Tennessee area, you know, international whatever maybe point you to somebody else but so many students just don't work on that relationship side skill of asking questions let me go buy you coffee and ask you for advice whatever the students that did that i mean all of them all of them i can i can promise you and that's one of the things i push you know i push that like yeah. i push that yeah. super that networking aspect i push super hard in the small fund is because if you learn how to do that, you're set for life mm-hmm. because then that means you can go and talk to, you know, especially in the small fund, you can go talk to 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. I mean, the sky's the limits of the number of just small fund alumni alone mm-hmm. that you could go talk to. And, you know, they'll give you their own advice, you know, and I always tell everybody, you know, if you ask for a job, you get advice. And if you ask for advice, you get a job. But mm-hmm. the idea is, 
go there and, and, and start talking to them and see what resonates and, and then have a plan. Eventually you have like so many people want to be a Renaissance man or a Renaissance woman where they're like, I want to be kind of good at a little at everything. Yeah. And I'm like, that's great life. Hopefully you live a long enough life that you can do that. But to get paid well, most people that get paid well specialize in something. Yeah. So at some point you need to try to commit to something that you want to get really good at. Mm-hmm. And that has value. And that's why we talk so much about valuation and, and the small phone. Cause every business needs you, to, you know, it, you know, needs to, you know, look at valuation and how are they adding value to the owners. But even you, if you're going to join that company, you need to frame yourself as a valuable asset to mm-hmm. them. And usually the more specialized you are, the bigger nerd you are, the, the, more that you know how to do something that other people don't know, that's value, right? So, yeah, I see that. I mean, to me, that's a big deal. But so many students are just like, I want to go sit in the back and I'm going to, you know, and I'll I'll get an A or a B or C or whatever and I'll I'll do the classes and I'll graduate and then I'll think about what I'm going to do. And, man, that's the opportunity you missed because that that moment, your trajectory for your career path while you're in college – could be so widely, especially in business, could be so different if you take advantage of that those opportunities to meet and talk to people and form those networks. Because and that's what co- a lot of people miss from COVID. Mm-hmm. And honestly, uh, even the feedback I got from some of the students that interviewed during COVID from companies was awful. It was like there's a connection that so there's something we built up there through the small fund that's some kind of momentum train that we had going. Mm-hmm where students kind of understood the ropes that, that got lost in translation during COVID yeah. that were just starting to get back. It's huge. It's huge, Dan. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't know when it clicked for me, but whenever I was able to, you know, I felt I had the confidence to walk up to someone, whether it was a professor or a student or an administrative, you know, somebody that worked administratively at the university and just ask them a question and then be like, even if it felt stupid, you know, um, that is where both personally and, you know, from an educational standpoint, I really felt that I began to find, find out what I wanted to do and find out more about myself and, and learn a lot more. Um, and that prepared me so much more, at least so far, again, I'm not like some industry professional, but so far in my career, um, that has helped me a ton because, you know, Certainly you should show up to class and do your best and try to get good grades, but there's more to class and there's more to life than just that. And if you limit your educational experience to just doing the work and then graduating and leaving, I think you're kind of selling yourself short. You know, I think you're neglecting some different areas of your life that you could really hone in different skills. And, you know, if you don't ever ask the question, you'll never know the answers. And I think that you're exactly right, 100%. I, I definitely agree with you. And, and there is one adage about professors that's completely true. We love to hear our own voice. So, I mean, even if we look annoyed, we'll um, sit down and, and chat away an hour yeah. or two, especially if it's an area that we have interest in. Now, a good professor will flat tell you they're ignorant about stuff. Yeah. You know, like you come to me about music and I'm going to tell you, look, I'll tell you what I know, mm-hmm. but I'm not the person to come to if you want, uh, you know, a lot of information on music. Yeah. It's just not... I like to listen to it. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a producer. I, I don't, I, I don't know enough about almost any genre to pretend yeah. to be an expert. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of areas like that. There's sports that I know a lot about and there's sports I know nothing about. I think it's fine to tell people I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
Now, I will say what I would like professors to do a little bit more. If we're going to talk to students and encourage them to build relationships, we need professors to do that as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, professors, you've heard publisher perish, right? That's mm-hmm. how professors, tenure track professors, get tenure. Um, we need to put a little bit more emphasis on professors building relationships with their students. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, it's, it's, it's in my wheelhouse, so I would say that it's easier for me to do it. But um, there's so many professors that want, like, this has been nirvana for them during COVID because yeah. they've gotten to hide away in their cubby holes and do their research with nobody messing with them. And, and from a research standpoint, and I think it's phenomenal. And I think that, you know, COVID probably is, that's another cool thing about COVID. I wonder how many video games came out of COVID and how many books got written through COVID and all that, because there's people got creative, right? Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, um, we're going to have to work very hard at the university and, and UTC is known for this is for, for being such a good teaching school as well. But, but we still have to recapture some of that magic. Right. And we have to c- encourage professors to want to form those relationships with students too, because we don't get paid to do that. Right. So, um, so many people think that you, um, and I know it's a big thing right now. It's trendy is to, you know, tell an employer that they're, you're not going to, you know, do anything unless you get paid to do it. And if you're working for minimum wage, I'm all for that, mm-hmm. right? Like if it, like if they're saying, hey, why don't you come pick up, you know, all this stuff out back after hours or something like, no, you're like, no, you're going to pay me to do that, yeah. right? Yeah. But if you're in a well-established career path and you're at a point in your life where you can give back, giving back to the next generation and building meaningful relationships, I think it should just be, come with the territory. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And uh, 100% agree. That's that's great to hear, and I definitely can say from my experience at UTC that you know I know it's different for everybody, and, and everybody's experience is different. But I felt very embraced and very welcomed by virtually every single administrative professional, professors uh, from the bottom all the way up. You know, everyone was very helpful, very welcoming, and I think that extra effort, like you were talking about, it really it really does go a long way. And I think that. I think that, uh, not just what we teach in the classrooms, but that extra effort will really go a long way and will make an impact on uh, the students for you know, years to come. So I, I definitely agree 100%. To plug the University of Tennessee Chattanooga, I mean, I've been at a lot of universities, uh, whether I was you know, learning there or, or t- teaching there, I've been blown away with just how, how warm the environment is at UTC, how much uh, they really do care about the students. We have phenomenal staff that, go, I mean, we have the, like the DeCosmo Student Success Center and all that. That's great. We've got, so we, we have some, we have so many award-winning teaching professors. I don't know a lot outside of the the Rollins College of Business because yeah. we do get siloed off somewhat, you know, but from the ones I met through other committees, they're all fantastic. I, I have every reason to believe that, you know, the that, you know, our nursing program is fantastic. Our engineering program is fantastic. Just every program on campus. Um, and, and I know a lot of universities take pride in that and everything, but I've just, I mean, it, I'm, I would be 100% comfortable and I'm probably going to push all four of my kids to go to UTC. Yeah. And uh, hopefully they'd be smart enough to go anywhere they want to go. And I'm going to push them to go to UTC just because I, I really think it's, it's a really neat mix of a great experience and, and a really um, wonderful learning experience because the, you got teachers that care. Yeah. So.
Go Mox. Go Mox. That's right. Yeah. Um, Power C. Oh yeah, baby. Um, so I don't want to keep you any longer. Uh, we've been going for a little bit over an hour, and I know you got uh, people we need to get back to. Before we go, uh, first off, I want to thank you. I just want to say thank you for doing this. It really means a lot. Um, thank you for everything you've done for me personally, uh, but just for the little things like this. I know that you could be doing anything else tonight, and, and I really appreciate you taking a little bit of time to speak with me. And I hope that whoever listens to this enjoys it and. Maybe some future student of yours will find this and they'll uh, get to see a little bit of uh, the side of Dr. H that they don't get to see in the classroom. Uh, but before we finish, a little bit of a tradition we have with the show is I like to do a, a brief segment to end off each episode uh, on a d- bit of a different note. And this segment is called 15 Quick Questions. So this is going to be 15 Quick Questions with Dr. H. I don't have any sound effects to plug in at this moment, so we'll just make up your own in your mind. Uh, yeah. Um, but these are going to be all this or that questions. So it'll be, you know, A, B, or C, A, or B. You pick one or the other. I just want your off the top of your head reaction. Uh, these are on the record, okay? So these are. This these, was the whole point. Was, yes. Was this to, is really what I wanted from yeah, you. Everything the, else, I, didn't, I don't really care about that. You much. wanted to give me a multiple choice test. Pretty like, much, yes. Okay. Is, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This, so, uh, yeah. This, <laughs> okay. Um, all right. This is 15 quick questions with Dr. H. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Do you pronounce it caramel or caramel? I say caramel. I say whatever's easiest. Hot coffee or iced coffee? Ooh, I probably drink. I probably drink more hot coffee, but I like iced coffee better. Fall semester or spring semester? Well, I get sabbatical this fall, so I definitely would. That's going to be nice. I would always say my fall semester is easier than my spring. Sweet or savory food? Definitely savory. I'm not a sweet tooth. Sandals with or without socks? Well, if I wear them, I'm going to not have the socks on, but I, I don't wear a lot of sandals. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? No. Sunrise or sunset? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm gonna kind of go with sunrise. I think that this it's just fun to see one and like be like, all right, let's go get our win for the day. I, I agree. I'm 100% with you there. I, I like that. Um, beach or mountains? Mountains all day long. Guacamole or salsa? Ooh, I'm. You know, I, I've always thought the Mexican flag. Uh, reminds me of all the different dips that yeah. you have there, right? Oh, so, yeah, it does. Yeah, and I like them all equally, so this yeah. one's going to be tough. If it's homemade, um, I'm, I'm gonna pro- I, I make a mean homemade salsa, but guacamole is probably better for you. I, I don't know. They're, they're great. That, that's, that's the hard question. Uh, would you go crunchy peanut butter or smooth? Well, uh, this is tough. I, I like nuts, so I'm probably going to go crunchy. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street or Big Short? Well, the Wolf of Wall Street is, is something I could never show my kids. Whereas <laughs> the, the the Big Short, I, I can, and it's probably it's probably more factually correct. Uh, so we'll go Big Short. Uh, who in your mind wins a dance battle between The Rock and Kevin Hart? Ooh, honestly, I think The Rock's got a lot of moves. I mean, for as big as that dude, and he's a pro wrestler and yeah. everything. I'm, I'm The Rock. Okay. Uh, 70s, 80s, or 90s? Well, you know, God, that shows your age. I don't know enough about the 70s, mm-hmm. so it'd be between the 80s and the 90s. And, you know, I, I'm going to say, even though I know more about the 90s, I believe the people that tell me the 80s was cooler. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, or Halloween? 
Um, I'm not. I know everybody likes Halloween and they think that's kind of cool or whatnot, but that's not me. So it's between Christmas or Thanksgiving. Um, I'm. I'm just gonna. I think Christmas is is cool. I mean, I mean everything about it. I, I I love the religious part of it. I love the family part about it. Um, I think there's so many cool things to be thinking about at the end of the year. I love that time of the year. I, I agree 100. And the final question. Uh, we always end this one off, and I want to hear. I want to hear your rationale for this one, especially. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? So I had this question recently, but, <laughs> really? but I should have used animals because it became, I, I shouldn't have, I do weird polls with my friends and I asked him, it was a similar question, but with people, it was like, you yeah. know, yeah. how many little kids would you beat up yeah, versus one? And yeah. I was like, I, and I go, I should have done it with animals because apparently that makes it so much more ethical. Yeah. But, uh, oh, I, I'm going to say that I would not be as scared of the little things. Um, big, giant animals scare me. And, uh, I mean, like, I'm not going to get in the water with an alligator. Yeah. I mean, that's that's their territory. Yeah. You know? and and But I could probably, you know, figure out a way to, to kick these things around or probably just climb up in a tree or something. Yeah. But a, a duck's a dinosaur. <laughs> I mean, they're, you know, all birds come from, you know, they're pretty close to dinosaurs. So you're telling me now that there's like freaking, you know, T-Rex running around quacking at me. Yeah, I'm freaking scared of that thing. You heard it here first, folks. Ducks are dinosaurs. That's that's That's, that's, that's yeah. right. All right. Well, I like it. I've, I've gotten different responses for that question each time. So I always like to hear the rationale for each yeah. person. So uh, thank you for that. That was, that was good. I enjoyed that. Um, before we finish up, I want to just say again thank you for coming on it's been a, a pleasure and, and I, I enjoyed that answer um before we finish i want to give you the floor if there's anybody you want to give a shout out to you know uh give thanks to or just you know tell everybody what you're working on then the floor is yours so go for it wow cool so uh, this this is real dangerous now the um <laughs> I'll to tell you a little bit more about me. I'd say, you know, I am a Christian, and um, but I'm also a big believer that, you know, people have the right to believe whatever they want. So anybody, want, you know, that's listening to this, that's a student, especially want to come talk to me about anything, my door is always open there, um, you know, especially with all the tragedies that are happening. I hope that we figure out ways to love each other more and do more things there. Um, my license plate, my wife bought me a license plate that says finance. Uh, and so finance is kind of like a mentality for me. It's like with anything you do, you can make it fun, right? You yeah. can, and you can find meaning in that. And then I'll just end with a smile fun for life. All right, smile fun for life, baby. Dr. H, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Um, if anybody is curious, I know you, you mentioned your book. Uh, so if you want to check out Dr. H's book that he, you co-wrote that, correct? That's right. Sustainable right. investing, what everyone needs to know uh, with Hunter Holsauer, Kent Baker, and John Nofsinger, and I'm, I'm proud. I mean, hey, it's it's my first book, but I'm I'm very proud of it. It's it's in a, it's in an area that I think, younger people gravitate towards, yeah. especially. Yeah. So if you want to check that out, uh, definitely high rec highly recommend that. Uh, you can go to the description, find the link there, and go support and check out what Dr. X has been working on. Uh, but again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for everybody that's out there listening, uh, and. Hope that you'll join us on the next episode. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Big Dan. <laughs>